Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 454. Welcome in. I am recording this very, very late on Tuesday night. Had a very weird day. Um, a lot of news broke. We'll talk about that, of course. You know, I, I talked a while back during the regular season about construction happening in my building. And that construction happening literally right outside, you know, the the, the back patio of my apartment uh, is a plumbing issue. And that re-happened. It happened again today. Today was more drilling all day. And I didn't have water for like 10 hours. It was literally horrible. I just, one of the very weird day. I don't think I appreciated how much I use water to do everything. Dishes, cooking, showering, drinking. I had to go buy bottled water so I could drink water today. It's like, ah, I'm so done. I, you know, they hired a different plumber this time. It should be solved. But like, man, not a fun thing. So the big news on Tuesday when I woke up was, oh, my goodness. Guess what happened on Tuesday? Caleb Williams has transferred to USC, the former Oklahoma quarterback. That was the first news of the day. I was like, oh, wow, USC. Finally, it's, it's, we all thought that was coming. You know, Lincoln Riley f- went from Oklahoma to USC. I think he might be maybe the most talented quarterback in all of college football. He's a, a future number one overall pick, in my opinion. And uh, that's awesome. There's a lot of exciting quarterbacks all over college football for next year. The I love the one-time transfer rule. It allows people to be, I don't know, it, it allows, especially quarterbacks, but it allows every athlete in college football to really put them in a position to be successful. I love that. And uh, I, I need to make a video and do a topic about the quarterbacks I'm excited to watch next year in college football. Now, of course, that is not the big news that happened on Tuesday. That was what I woke up to first. I'm like, oh my gosh, Caleb Williams. And then I slid a little bit farther on Instagram and I went, holy crap. The big news, of course, is that after 22 years in the NFL, Tom Brady has retired. And I'm not going to lie. It's daunting to even try to explain what Tom Brady means to me and his career meant to me. I feel like I could do an entire podcast for like an hour talking about my love for Tom Brady he is my favorite player of all time. And, and by the way, I will not talk for an hour about Tom Brady. We'll keep it short as much as I can. Um, man, uh, Tom Brady brought me a lot of joy. He, all these moments watching football on the couch with my dad, cheering for Tom Brady. Um, all the battles, Peyton versus, you know, Tom, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady were so fun. And I, I played quarterback growing up and Tom Brady deeply inspired me. He was a sixth round pick. You know, famously drafted 199th overall. And the reason why I love Tom Brady is that he mastered everything he could control. And he was an underdog. People forget that about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's looked at as a winner and not at first. Tom Brady's kind of the American dream. It's, It's funny, actually, more people don't love Tom Brady based on where he came from. A guy that... Nobody wanted in the NFL. A backup to Drew Bledsoe had to earn everything that was hand- that happened to him. Peyton Manning was a number one overall pick, and I love Peyton Manning, but I always resonated with the underdog story of Tom Brady, a guy who came out of nowhere, a guy who wasn't wanted, who sixth-round pick. And when I watch Justin Herbert play football or Josh Allen, right, I don't – there's nothing I can relate to there. I, I was short, had a weak arm, couldn't run. Right, I was a very mediocre quarterback. Let's let's be honest, right? But I never relied on my athleticism. The way I played quarterback was relying on my footwork and my mechanics and my decision making. That stuff you can control. I couldn't control the fact that I'm five eleven and don't run a four five forty yard dash. Right? Um, Tom Brady mastered everything he could control. His footwork was impeccable. His mechanics, his knowledge of the game. I learned how to beat a blitz watching Tom Brady because Tom Brady loved when linebackers would blitz him. He's like, hey, guess what that means? Got one-on-one coverage outside. If you bring more people to sack me, got fewer people in coverage. I love that. I learned that watching Tom Brady as a child, loving that. Tom Brady has incredible people skills. That's something that cannot go understated. The way he relates to his teammates, the way he cares for people, the way he builds community, his leadership is incredible. 
That takes work, by the way. That's not something you – know, some people are natural leaders, but still, even a natural leader has to be wary of, I got to talk to this guy. How's this guy doing? How's Chuck doing? How's my lineman doing? How's this guy? You check in with people. That's leadership, and Tom Brady was really, really good at it. I learned so much from watching Tom Brady, so many life lessons, and it's well beyond throwing touchdowns, man. Like I, the, the lessons I learned about work ethic – from watching Tom Brady, I, I use every day. And, and, and frankly, like Tom Brady set a hilariously absurd standard that I, I don't think I could ever live up to, right? The, the work ethic, the sacrifices he made, I, it, it's incredible. Like how can you not look? I, I've never quite related to the person who doesn't like Tom Brady. I understand here, – here's maybe a better way to put it. I understand if you don't like him because you're tired of him or you're a – you know, Buffalo Bills fan or a Jets fan. But I think everybody should respect Tom Brady. Like, I don't know how you can't respect what he did and the clear work he put into his career and the sacrifices he made. The way he ate. Like, he ate boring food, right? And that's—I'm on a diet. It's not fun to eat boring food and, like, really eat the food that's better for you because McDonald's french fries are calling to me, right? The way he trained— the late nights watching film. Tom Brady worked like others wouldn't so he could live a life that others couldn't. And that always will inspire me about Tom Brady. Obviously, he won seven Super Bowls more than anybody else. Uh, he retires with a, a crazy, absurd amount of you know records. And a lot of them are like, most wins ever in the playoffs, most playoff touchdown passes. The ones that matter to me are he's got the most wins ever for a quarterback, most passing yards, and most touchdowns. He is... <laughs> I mean, statistically, literally, probably not. He's actually, I think the fact that Tom Brady's not the most talented quarterback ever, like when you watch Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, they're way better athletes and way more talented. You know, Pat, Aaron Rodgers is a way better thrower of the football than Tom Brady. But the fact that Tom Brady wasn't the most talented and still achieved everything he did, that's why I love the guy, right? He controlled everything he could control. Amazing. In fact, he got better as the years went on. He has record after record. He's got, you know, most passing yards, most touchdowns, most wins. And what's crazy is that at 44 years old, as Tom Brady retires, he'll be 45 in August. He could have kept playing. This year is final year in the NFL. <laughs> 44 years old, he led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. In completions, in passes thrown, pass attempts. He threw the ball more than any other quarterback in the NFL at 44 years old. Won a playoff game. Won his division. And, and the reality is you could argue he played the best football of his life in his final year of his career at 44 years old. And I, you really got to give credit to Tom as an outside-the-box thinker. He got made fun of a lot. Do you remember when Alex Guerrero got told he could no longer be on the sideline of Patriots games? I do. And there were people chirping, man. A lot of people. Tom Brady and his crackpot trainer, these crazy ideas. He thinks he's going to play till he's 45. He's going to fall off a cliff. His, his, his trainer, Alex Guerrero, and their weird alternative methods. Well... It worked. He could have played till he was 45. He chose not to. He, he left a year early, right? Um, and I, I will point out, so he, Tom Brady put out this long statement. Oh, it's like seven pages. I'm not going to read all of it. I will read some keywords. I will point out, though, when everything that Tom Brady said, this long speech thanking everybody, he never once used the word or the words retirement or retire. So... You know, he's done. I'm pretty sure he's done. <laughs> he's done. It is interesting, though, he didn't say retire. And maybe that more speaks to he's like, I'm no longer going to play football, but I'm going to keep working just in other avenues, whether it's media, building companies, coaching, public speaking, writing books. Who knows, right? He's going to probably do – I don't think he's the kind of guy who wants to just sit at the beach and do nothing. I think he's too type A and too much of a workaholic to do that. And he'll probably do that for a while. But after a while, that gets boring, and you, you, trust me, like you, you want to do stuff, and I'm sure he will. Here are a few key words that Tom Brady said. I'm going to read them. Uh, there's two breaks. We'll see ellipses in this, what I'm about to read. 
Uh, Tom Brady said, I've always believed the sport of football is an all-in proposition. If a 100% competitive commitment isn't there, you won't succeed. Ellipsis. I have tried my very best these past 22 years. There are no shortcuts to success on the field or in life. Ellipsis again. I am not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. I have loved my NFL career, and now it is time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. Can't blame the guy. I, in fact, I really respect it. He, he recognized if I'm not all in, it's not going to work. And I, don't, I respect the game too much to, to play for the sake of playing when I'm not all in. He earned everything. He earned the millions of dollars he had. He earned the years of retirement ahead of him if he wants them. I think I'm, I'm convinced he'll do media or something. He's, he's, again, I think he's going to do something there. But I, I really hope he enjoys time with his family. His parents are getting older, and I know that I'm going to miss my dad tremendously whenever he dies someday. And I cherish every moment I get with my dad. And Tom Brady's kids are getting older. They're going to move out of the house soon. You want to be around him. Like, you want to cherish those years you have. And it sounds to me like that, you know, that there's that sliding scale, right? It does the benefit outweigh the cost. Does the benefit of playing football, the, the, the carrot on the end of the stick, the Super Bowls, the, the keep chasing success, does that outweigh the cost of not spending time with their family anymore? I think, I think the scale is tipped the other way, and now Tom Brady wants to spend time with his family. Cannot blame the guy at all. And again, it is funny, never said retire, never said retirement one time. I just want to say thank you, Tom. Thank you so much for the years of inspiration, entertainment. I watched The Brady Six as a child. The Brady Six is a documentary all about the six quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of Tom Brady. And remember, Tom Brady was counted out, overlooked, not wanted, not believed in. I think everybody's felt that way at some point, right? No matter where in life you are, everybody's felt a moment of, man, I'm the only person who believes in me. And Tom Brady, I, I guess his dad did, but he was the only person who believed he could become what he became. And he, he, he effing did it, man. Like, how can you not smile about that? A guy who believes in himself when no one else did. He became the most accomplished quarterback of all time. That's why I love Tom Brady. He inspired me tremendously. A lot of touchdowns, a lot of Super Bowls. But the thing I will always be grateful for when it comes to Tom Brady is that there's really two things he modeled. He modeled work ethic. He modeled that willingness to sacrifice. And I, I, I'm going to tell you a story. I think people don't know this about strong opinion sports. My show, my full-time job, I love it. Uh, when I started the show, I slept under my desk on a mattress pad under my desk for two years when I was in college, believing. I took out a student loan. I never got a degree. I wasn't there for college. I was there because my student loan paid for my dorm room and my internet, which allowed me to do strong opinion sports. I slept under my desk for a year and a half in college, man. And it's moments like that where I believed in myself. That was me chasing my dream, right? And, and Tom Brady, I just... I don't know who you are listening. I don't know where you are in life, but I, I, I encourage you to look at what Tom Brady's done and try to find – there's a shared journey in there somewhere. And, man, I – again, I, even when I wasn't playing football in my life, I would think about Tom Brady and the – that effort made it, right? I can, right? He was counted out. He, I just – man, I – favorite player of all time. So the way Tom Brady modeled work ethic – sacrificing when, when I was pulling all nighters, working on my show, working full time, doing school full time and trying to build my show on the side and sleeping under my desk. I thought of guys like, what, what would Tom Brady do? Would he sacrifice? Hell yeah, he would. And then the other thing Tom Brady modeled work ethic is one, but the way he built a great family is very inspiring. I don't know what my future holds, frankly, with a family. I just called off an engagement I don't know if I'm ever going to have kids. I, I, everything feels uncertain, frankly, uh, when it comes to my future building a family. But I know that if I ever do have a family, I want something like what Tom Brady has, an amazing partnership, 
a great relationship with his, you know, my dad, kids I love that I'm proud of that I spend time with. I mean, I, I don't know how you can't look at Tom Brady and the the way the, the model and the way he's lived his life, achieving, working hard, building a family. It's incredibly inspiring to me. Thank you, Tom Brady. Uh, it feels like he's dying. He's not. Uh, but I will. I didn't expect it come. I, I honestly, I you know, the rumors are out there, and Adam Schefter says that. I don't really believe Adam Schefter when he says anything now. I'm like, eh, we'll see. You know, I was waiting for Tom Brady to announce he retired, and he did. The moment has come. Um, but I, I will be. I'm sad to see him go, and I, I am always going to be grateful for uh, the role model Tom Brady was in my life. And man, you know, and the years of entertainment. Tom Brady. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And, uh, and I, I don't know. I'm going to miss the guy. What else do you say? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, was, uh, I was not expecting. I thought we'd get a couple more weeks before. I thought the Super Bowl would happen. And then like mid-February, I guess late February, Tom Brady would retire then. I did not expect it coming so quickly. And I want to be clear about something. There is never going to be, you know, for years now, we're going to have to hear about who's the next Tom Brady. Kind of like you hear, who's the next Michael Jordan, the next Kobe Bryant. There is no next Kobe Bryant. There is no next Tom Brady. No one ever is going to be quite what Tom Brady was. <laughs> Just don't even try. Don't do that. I don't know why. Whoever's next, I, th- I think Joe Burrow is going to kind of fill the void for me as my new favorite quarterback. Um, Joe Burrow is another guy who... You know, man, was overlooked. Nebraska didn't want him twice. Couldn't start at Ohio State, had to transfer in college. Joe Burrow is not the tallest or the fastest or the strongest, but Joe Burrow controls everything he can control, the same way Tom Brady does. And he's got this swagger and this mythical status about him. Well, I really believe Joe Burrow can do anything he wants to. So is Joe Burrow the next Tom Brady? No, that's disrespectful to Tom and to Joe. But can he, as, as a guy, I love quarterbacks. I love having a favorite quarterback that is fun for me. Joe Burrow's the next Tom Brady for me, the next guy who I am excited to watch and, you know, just enjoy why. I mean, he's, my, he's a new favorite for me, the guy I'm going to really root for in the NFL. And uh, I, I probably shouldn't have even said that Tom Brady's, you know, Joe Burrow's the next Tom Brady. It's just not, not going to happen. But I will say, and I, certainly I don't think he'll win seven Super Bowls, but he may win one. I'm nervous about that one, but the parallel between Joe Burrow and Tom Brady, let's be clear here. It's a guy who was overlooked, who isn't fastest, isn't strongest, isn't the biggest, but every little aspect of his game that he can master, he has. Decision-making, understanding pre-snap, where to go with the football, mechanics, footwork, leadership. That's why Joe Burrow reminds me of Tom Brady, and... um. It really does feel like a moment where the torch is being passed from Tom Brady to Joe Burrow, and how fitting would it be for Joe Burrow to now win a Super Bowl right as Tom Brady does retire? Um, was anybody else emotional, man? Did anybody else like? I, I didn't. I didn't. Excuse my language. I try not to cuss on this one. On the other show, it's all. It all. You know. It all goes. But. uh I didn't cry or anything, but I was like, man, I'm going to miss the guy. I really, really, really loved watching Tom Brady, and he certainly could have kept playing. I don't know. Um, Let's talk about Las Vegas. Let me drink some water real quick. The Raiders have hired Josh McDaniels to be their new head coach. And let me remind you of some history when it comes to Josh Daniels. He was once the... Denver Broncos head coach in 2009 and 2010 and 12 games into his second year he got fired by the Broncos and he's been pretty open recently saying that he wasn't ready for that moment in 2009 and 2010 and I mean you could also argue that Josh McDaniels never had a quarterback but let you know that's part of Josh McDaniels history is that he failed once as a head coach here's the other part of his history that I think people forget for 13 total years, Josh McDaniels has been the offensive coordinator with the New England Patriots. For three years, then he got hired by Denver, got fired by Denver, went somewhere else. Then the last 10 years, the last 10 seasons in the NFL, Josh McDaniels has been 
the Patriots offensive coordinator, a massive collaborator with Bill Belichick. He's been, you know, Bill Belichick's been there the longest, obviously, in New England. But the close second is Josh McDaniels right behind him, working, collaborating with him, running the offensive side of the football. And, you know, from 2012 until now, Josh McDaniels has been the Patriots offensive coordinator. I am sure 13 years, probably longer as an assistant, all that time with Bill Belichick, a little something rubbed off. I'm sure he learned a little bit from Bill Belichick. And I I like this hire. I believe in it. This guy worked with Tom Brady for years. This guy helped develop Mac Jones this year in the NFL. Uh, The Raiders are in a weird spot. They made the playoffs, and... There's some talent there, less than it would have been because of the the season they had and the people that left. It does feel a little bit like they're rebuilding, but there's something there in Vegas with the Raiders. And I'm just really, really excited for the Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr. He's a guy who, man, a lot of people don't believe in Derek Carr. I do. I love Derek Carr. He's a great leader, first of all. He's the the guy you want in your building running things as a quarterback. And I, I really think the best is yet to come in his career. Um, he got along with John Gruden very well. Remember, I think Derek Carr would get along with anybody. Derek Carr is very affable, meaning like he'll, he'll just – he gets along, man. He's very agreeable as a human being. I do believe that Josh McDaniels is actually a better fit – for Derek Carr than John Gruden was. John Gruden was old school, and not just in his approach to the game and as a you know way he talks to people, but and he was tough and kind of hard to play for. There were a lot of moments where like, does John Gruden even want Derek Carr? It's very weird. But here's the real thing: I feel like John Gruden could have done a lot more to fit the offense to Derek Carr. John Gruden came back to the NFL and he had his system, and he's like, Derek Carr is going to run my system, which is fine. A lot of heavy play action, a lot of stuff under center. I want to see Derek Carr in shotgun constantly. And I want to see him do a lot of what Tom Brady did for years in New England. And I think they can. I think you got, you know, a guy like Julian Edelman, a guy like Wes Welker and Hunter Renfro. You got a really good tight end, Darren Waller. You got, I mean, there's just a lot of pieces that are interesting there. You got a really good running back. And I'm telling you, I really love the hire. And I think the guy who benefits the very most from this hire is Derek Carr, the quarterback in Vegas. And, man, I'm so, I'm so excited to see them build their offense around what Derek Carr does well. And, I, I, hey, look, a lot of people are skeptical. And, look, we'll see how it goes. Um, you never know until the games are played. Maybe Josh McDaniels is horrible. I'm hopeful, though. I'm incredibly excited. Uh, they also hired Dave Ziegler from New England to be the general manager. He was the Patriots director of player personnel. And so I'm very hopeful when it comes to Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. But the key beneficiary here, Derek Carr gets an offensive-minded head coach um, who hopefully can build an offense around what he does well. And I, I really believe that when that happens for Derek Carr, we're going to see some really good stuff. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I, we'll see how it goes. But I'm very hopeful for the Raiders, for Derek Carr, and for Josh McDaniels there in Vegas. All right, it's time to answer some questions from the audience. It is time for Ask Zach. Hey, let me tell you about something, by the way. If you go to Patreon now, uh, there is no longer there, – there's a lot of stuff now you get for your dollar a month. You get – to write in to ask Zach for Strong Opinion Sports, you also get a new show called Zach Shomler Talking. There are two episodes out. It comes out a week early on Patreon. So for your dollar a month, that's $12 a year, you get to write into Strong Opinion Sports. You get to write into Zach Shomler Talking, a podcast where it's, it's very self-explanatory. It's me talking about life, not about sports. Uh, you also get to write into and write in questions for Zach Shomler Talking. So I'm trying to make that dollar Go even farther for you. Give you as much value as I possibly can. It's a very small ask. $12 a year, $1 a month. Um, hopefully we're adding even more content in the future. We meaning me. It's me by myself doing all this. But I, um, I'm trying to give you as much bang for your buck as I possibly can. And do you guys right. Because I know I really appreciate you guys on Patreon. And I want to give you as much as I possibly can for your dollar. Um, so this is my favorite part of the show. In case you do not know how it works, go to patreon.com 
forward slash Zach Shomler, patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. You give a dollar a month, you can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. If you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read it on the show. My only guarantee is to look at it every single question with my eyeballs. I'll pick the top couple to read here on the show. Question number one comes from Nathan. I need some water real quick before we read Nathan's question. Mm. <clears throat> I went all day without water. I really, my water got turned off today and it was not fun. And uh, that's the first of the new, you know, I ran the tap a bunch because it was like, the water came out like yellow. It was sitting in the pipes. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't, I put it through a Brita and I hope it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Nathan writes in, he says, hey, Zach, do you remember when people put Kyle Shanahan on the hot seat and wanted him gone midseason? I will admit I was part of it, but now I know my wrongdoings. He didn't get his team to the Super Bowl, though, but I admire his efforts and abilities to get to the conference championship with a very limited quarterback. Yeah, I've never understood the people who were wanting Kyle Shanahan fired or critical of Kyle Shanahan. I think what Kyle Shanahan has done in the 49ers is incredible. And I, he's creative. He does a good job coaching. Like, uh, Danico Ryan is coming back to be their defensive coordinator again. He turned down a second interview with the Vikings because he's like, look, I want to, I like what's going on. I want to keep building my career. I'm learning a lot. I'm developing as a coach. Um, run it back, man. I, I don't know. I, I am so hopeful that Trey Lance comes out next year and just balls out like blows people away people are like oh my gosh people don't realize how 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 physically gifted Trey Lance is now he has an off season to keep building his mechanics and working on throwing the football a little better and he can run like a linebacker man I don't know I see a lot of Josh Allen when I watch Trey Lance and another year in the system he had a year to learn this year he's going to be their guy next year and I oh man all the talk of Kyle Shanahan can't coach. Well, what happens when he's got one of these incredible, amazing quarterbacks that I think Trey Lance can become? Remember, this is a guy who made RG3 look amazing. He made Kirk Cousins look amazing. He got Matt Ryan to an MVP and a Super Bowl. He, gosh, he made Matt Schaub look really good, right? You know, I I can't understate how good Kyle Shanahan is, not only as a coach, but as a quarterback coach. Jimmy Garoppolo is limited. A lot of that's just, if, you know, physical. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a very physically gifted human being. He's a, he's a very fine quarterback. Uh, we'll talk more about him in a minute, but I just, I love Kyle Shanahan. I respect him a lot, and I think the possibilities of Trey Lance next year, oh boy, it's going to be real, real fun. You know, when you look back at the 2018 draft class, who's the best quarterback from that draft class? Oh, it's uh, either Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, the guys who are the two most physically gifted quarterbacks. Sam Darnold, not really a starter. Baker Mayfield might lose his job. Josh Rosen's out of the league, basically. No, the guy who's really physically gifted and has a higher ceiling with a good coach tends to do really well recently. Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and I think Trey Lance is the next guy like that. Adam writes him in a very good, interesting question. says, I'm a Rams fan, and I'm very excited to see my team in the Super Bowl. There are also a lot of great players that have a chance to get their first ring in veterans like Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey, as well as developing superstars like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Looking at the matchup, I don't see what chance the Bengals' offensive line has against the Rams' defensive line. That being said, I'm sure that will be one of the main focuses for the Bengals. If you are the Bengals' coach, how are you preparing for the Rams defensive line. So, uh, <laughs> oh man, if I'm the Ram, if I'm the Bengals offensive line coach and I'm, I'm working with my guys this week and you got next week is a lot of more media, harder to prepare for stuff. I am working all week on communication. The, the Bengals offensive line, they don't really lose when teams blitz them. When teams blitz Joe Burrow, he actually finds better matchups and kills it. I've said many times, when you blitz a quarterback, if you bring seven people after the quarterback, that he leaves only five people in coverage. What's 11 minus seven? That's, that's, that's four. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
You got four people in coverage if you bring seven guys after the quarterback. If you bring six, that's five people in coverage. The more people you blitz, the better it is for a quarterback because they get the ball out of their hands quickly. They got to find their best matchup, get it out immediately. You know, the Bengals have been struggling with a four-man rush, meaning that teams are dropping seven into coverage, bringing four people after the quarterback. And, I mean, they're just really bad at communication. When teams stunt, which means like the, the D tackle goes, in, goes outside, the DN goes inside, they cross and stunt. The communication is horrible for the Bengals' offensive line. And Joe Burrow's even making the right protection calls. It's just that they're, the way they're, the right guard and the left guard and, the, sorry, the, the left guard and left tackle are passing off people that are stunting in the center. It's a mess. And I see all the time the Bengals' offensive linemen are turned around or not touching anyone because they didn't communicate or didn't pass off very well against a stunt. So I'd be working very hard on handling a four-man rush and dealing with stunts because if they blitz you, Joey B is going to be do the right thing anyway. Here's the problem with everything I just said. All that's great. Your communication's good, and maybe you do pass off you know, responsibilities well with a stunt. The problem is, how do you prepare for Aaron Donald? There is no one-on-one matchup with Aaron Donald where you are in a good spot. You can even double or triple team him, and you're still in a bad spot. And I, I'm terrified for the right tackle, the Bengals man. He's going to get obliterated by Vaughn Miller. You're going to eat him alive. They're going to have to give two, three bodies. They might literally have to commit <laughs> the left guard, the center, and the right guard all to Aaron Donald. And then <laughs> it's just like, that can't even work. That's, that, that are the numbers. And then you're one-on-one with Vaughn Miller and the terrible right tackle in Cincinnati. He's going to eat Joe Burrow for lunch. So I... I don't know. You, you can do all the right stuff, but you, you got to actually win one-on-one, and I don't think the Bengals can. So um, I, I am petrified for the Bengals' offensive line two weeks from now on Sunday. Hunter writes in with a very long question, but a very – it's not just a question. It's informative. We're going to learn a lot. It's very good. Hunter says, hey, Zach, what are your thoughts on the Jacksonville Jaguars and their head coaching search situation? Mind you, I'm a Cardinals fan, but anyway – I've never seen anything like the Jaguars coaching search before, and it's a new low for the team. I saw that there were multiple reports on Twitter that Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich was going to become the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even local reporters and beat writers with credibility were confirming that their sources were telling them that it was a done deal. But then NFL reporters Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter denied that there was a hiring and the Jaguars head coaching search was still ongoing. One of the Jaguars finalists, Matt Eberflus, was hired by the Bears on Thursday and Nathaniel Hackett, whom the Jaguars put in a request to interview on Wednesday, accepted the Broncos job on Tuesday as well. So, Byron Leftwich being the last man standing was expected to be hired. Even a senior Cardinals reporter tweeted that he's heading He's hearing the Cardinals VP of Pro Scouting, Adrian Wilson, is going to be hired as the GM of the Jaguars alongside head coach Byron Leftwich. Obviously, that is not happening so far. As of yet, for the past few days, there's been nothing but silence from the Jaguars. Then just today, January 30th, the Jaguars scheduled a hastily last-minute interview request for Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell. From what I'm hearing, Leftwich and most head coaching candidates do not want to work with current Jaguars general manager Trent Balky and Leftwich wants to be in his on his uh wants to bring in Leftwich wants to bring in his own guy as a Jaguars general manager and Adrian Wilson. For some reason though, the owner is not keen on moving on from Balky, even though his presence is detrimental to the head coaching search. Sorry for the long post and questions, Zach, but there's a lot to unpack in this topic. Yes. Um thank you. I you actually, um, Hunter, saved me from explaining a lot because you, you've told a very good story. You basically wrote a whole article there, which I, I don't mind that. I love that. That's great. Um, if the Jaguars side with, I think it's Trent Balky. I, I, I said Balky for a long time. I think it's actually wrong. I think it's Balky. Uh, if the Jaguars side with Trent Balky, the general manager, that's a big mistake. You're missing out on a lot of potential head coaches because – what you want with a coach and a GM is a partnership. 
Nobody wants to be a head coach reporting to a GM than an owner. It's a dictatorship. We don't like that. What you want is a, a coach and a GM that are on the same page working together in unison. A great example of that is Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers and John Lynch, their general manager. Those guys are partners. They work well together. They collaborate. Byron Leftwich doesn't want to collaborate with Trent Baalke. He said, I want Adrian Wilson. I like that guy. I worked with him in Arizona. That's a guy I want to collaborate with. You're missing out on good head coaches because you don't want a head coach that's able to collaborate with a GM. Your answer, you're sticking with this guy who I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Chad Khan is got a crazy story. The the owner of the Jaguars, I, a guy I would kill to interview. He appears like he's making an idiotic mistake here by supporting Trent Baalke rather than you know getting a new coach and the GM that coach wants to collaborate with. And I, you're not only going to miss out on. Byron Leftwich, again, you missed out on Fandle Hackett, Matt Eberflus. You're going to miss out on a lot of guys that are going to come and go because people don't want to work with Trent Baalke. And, and, and really, the inner workings of that is not just because people hate Trent Baalke. It's because Trent Baalke has got this dictatorship hold on how things run, and the coach has to answer to him rather than collaborating with the coach. And that's turned a lot of people off, and it's a big problem for the Jaguars. And I, I can't believe... Of course, they're screwing it up. You know, you got a lot of good young talent there. You got an awesome quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, who looked really good at the end of the year. But you got to get the right coach, and you're turning away good coaches with bad decision-making. Raphael writes in, says, I love this question. Raphael says, hey, Zach, let's say you are the GM of a quarterback-needy team. How much are you willing to give away in terms of draft capital to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? While we are at it, how much do you think the 49ers expect to receive from a Jimmy G trade? P.S. I believe this is the best NFL season of all time. No contest. So many great games and amazing storylines. I wish it would never end. I'm with you, man. It's not going to end. The, 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 man, the NFL offseason this year is going to be unbelievable. Can't wait. Uh, sorry. I'm <laughs> not show tunes. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I would trade a second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a little high, I think, for a lot of people's standards, but... If you're a team that doesn't have a quarterback, Jimmy G is going to win you some games, man. He He's not the long-term forever answer. I wouldn't build around him. He's your quarterback until you can find someone more talented, like a Trey Lance, like a Josh Allen, like a Justin Herbert, et cetera, et cetera. But if you don't have anybody for next year, Jimmy Garoppolo is a great answer. Better than most. Better than like a Teddy Bridgewater. Better than a Nick Foles. I mean... You're, Jimmy G is like a he may be the twentieth best quarterback in the league, but that's there's only like nineteen humans in the world better than him at what he does, and he's a really good duct tape quarterback. If you are, I, I'm trying to think one possibility: the New York Giants. And this is just a hypothetical. I haven't thought deeply about this at all, right? So bear with me. But one hypothetical is: let's say the New York Giants go, we love Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. He's incredibly talented. He's physically gifted. Here's the problem. Uh, he's not going to be ready to start week one next year. We need somebody to be our starting quarterback next year and allow time for Malik Willis to develop. Hey, trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Perfect. Get Jimmy G as your quarterback next year. He'll be competitive. He can run the ship for a while. It's going to be really good. Ship, not the S word. And Malik Willis can sit on the bench for a while. Some situation like that. Kind of like what the Browns did with Tyrod Taylor. The Bills did with Josh Allen and Tyrod Taylor. Uh, the Chargers did with Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. He's Tyrod Taylor. He's a duct tape quarterback who's good enough for a while until you get the right guy to replace him. But I, I would the value Jimmy G can bring to your team, the wins, the experience, the leadership, the knowledge, Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, it's, it's a bit high, but I would trade a second-round pick for the stability he will bring your organization, and I'd rather trade a third-round pick. But I, I'm, you know, I don't love Jimmy G. Wouldn't build around him. Not my franchise quarterback. But he's, I respect what he can do. He's solid. He'll bring stability. And if you're looking for that, if you're Washington, for example, Washington should trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he'll, he'll give him a good year or two and be solid and... 
until you find another guy to replace him, he's he's better than most. So I respect and, and do have I, I do see some value in Jimmy Garoppolo. That I think a lot of people probably don't agree with me on that. Caleb writes in says, "Hey Zach, this has been one of the best playoffs I have ever seen, and I am so happy for both the Rams and the Bengals to make it to this year's Super Bowl. It feels officially like a new era in the NFL. First time in 19 years that Brady Manning." Roethlisberger, or the 49ers are not in the Super Bowl. You've had a transition of new faces. This is, you know, it feels like a true changing of the guard and how the league has so many new teams on top. There are a few absolutes in football, but do you think this season points to a new normal for the future? I do believe that. I do believe that. Here is the future of the NFL. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Hey, Justin Fields, maybe. Trey Lance. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Like, Mac Jones is out there, right? There's a lot of good young quarterbacks, but specifically quarterbacks who can run and move. Justin Fields is electric. I know what he's talented. I know what he can do. I know what he's capable of. Justin Herbert, there's a throw that has been stuck in my head. I need to, I need to make a film analysis of Justin Herbert where... He's running to his left. The way he turns his shoulders, lines it up, makes an amazing throw to the end zone. It's a touchdown. It's beautiful. Oh, my gosh. It's one of my favorite throws of the year. I need to show you guys that throw on film. It's incredible. It's a changing of the guard in the NFL. Absolutely. And these guys are mobile. These young quarterbacks that are entering the league and are in the league now, we're seeing fewer and fewer quarterbacks who are like Mac Jones, who are like Tom Brady, who are immobile. A lot of these young guys are Kyler Murray, who can run. They're the best athlete on the field. When they were in high school, their coach was going, huh. You know, Lil Jimmy is not only a guy who can kind of throw a football, he's the best athlete on the field. If I teach him to throw a football a little bit better, he can do stuff that, hey, Tom over there can't do. Jimmy's our quarterback. We're going to teach Jimmy how to play quarterback because he's an incredible athlete. We're seeing that more and more in the NFL. Here's a crazy thing. There are only five active NFL quarterbacks who have won a Super Bowl as a starter. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, and Nick Foles. That's it. Once Tom Brady's gone, once Ben Roethlisberger's gone, that's it. That's crazy. Yeah, the NFL's changing. It's a changing of the guard. A lot of new faces, and I'm here for it. I think it's going to be really fun. And if we're going to get more games like we got in the divisional round between... Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I am here for that. Let me tell you, it's awesome. Okay. Mitch writes in and says, (laughs) Hey, Zach, loving the show. With all of the retirement talk around Brady. Oh, hey, Mitch says, still loving the show. What do you mean? Still loving the show. Mitch, Mitch, still loving the show. Why why, do I throw the word still in there? My feelings are hurt. Huh, I'm offended. No, not really. I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. Mitch says, hey, Zach, loving the show. (laughs) With all the retirement talk around Brady, I'm wondering, is there any chance we see him become a coach? With all of his game knowledge, it would seem that a player like Brady could move into coaching. It seems uncommon for players to transition from a player to coach. Why is that? Anyway, love the show, man. Thank you, Mitch. Um, I think in a few years, Tom Brady... Uh, a few years, maybe later in life, like when he's 60, 70, I could see Tom Brady working as a coach. I, I could see myself. I really, I really want to coach someday. When I have, when money's not a concern, when I own a house outright and I have time to spend, gosh, I don't know. I, I don't see that time coming for like 40 years. Because, and not because money, it's more because I'm going to want to do strong opinion sports rather than go to coach high school football or college football or whatever. Um, I've been offered jobs to be a quarterback coach in high school, in college, and I'm like, uh, I'm in low level, like D3 or, you know, high school, but I I haven't even made me pause because I'm like, look, I I don't have the time. I I love doing this show. I'd rather do this than develop a young quarterback, but there is something to it. I did, I did briefly, I work as a quarterback coach and that guy went to Sacramento State. He's awesome. I love that. I still keep in touch. Love that guy. I taught him how to read a defense. I taught him how to look off a safety against cover three. Um, and cover one, I guess. Um, but I don't see Tom Brady working as a coach for a long time. He's going to enjoy time with his family. 
And then the next logical move would probably be to either become like a some kind of businessman where you just got Brady brand and you got commercials and just you're doing all kinds of stuff to make money. A lot of money in that. It's harder to do that kind of stuff, the business stuff, when you're coaching because coaching's a lot of responsibility, a lot of time. It's a tough schedule coaching. Hard on your family, like you're gone, you're away from stuff. And frankly, even broadcasting. Part of why Peyton Manning, I think, doesn't want to do broadcasting is think of Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk Herbstreet, the number one broadcaster for college football for ESPN, will do like three games a weekend. He's on a plane, sleeping on the plane, doing another game. He's in a different city every night, like just running all over the country. That's grueling. That's hard for your family. Um, I don't think that Tom Brady wants that. There's also more money in media. If you're Tom Brady, you start a podcast, you're, you're set. You're going to make a, a ton of money. You can sell T-shirts. You can do Brady Brand. I mean, that, that's really what I think Tom Brady's going to do is start some kind of media career. Probably a, a non-traditional media where he is the boss and controls it all, which is better for your schedule. And I think really, like, who's the mainstream media anymore? I think Pat McAfee is more the mainstream media than – you know, a lot of people on CBS or NBC or whatever. So um, I, I see Tom Brady doing something on YouTube or in the podcast world, something like that. Um, and that's what I think his next move is going to be. After, of course, hanging out with his family for a while and, and just having some downtime with his wife and with his dad and with his mom and his kids. Hayman writes in. It's a long one. I don't have a lot to say to it, but it is interesting. Hamman says, I've been thinking a lot about Jukiski Tart's response to the easy interception that he dropped. In a tweet, he said, no excuses. I deserve all the criticism my way. Coming my way. Opportunity I dream of, I came up short. Let my brothers down. It still won't define me as a person slash player. Only will get stronger and better believed at. I think it's admirable that he was able to own his mistake and not make an excuse or just not say anything. I feel that everybody thinks they are able to own their mistakes or admit when they are wrong. But when they actually do make a mistake, they will, like I said above, make an excuse or just not say anything. I thought, I thought this was something you'd appreciate. Love the show. Uh, hey, man. Yeah, I do love that. I, I respect the accountability. Remember, 10 minutes left in the, the NFC Championship game. Matthew Stafford underthrows a deep ball right at Jokiski Tart. He has it in his hands. He drops it. That would have been a massive turning point in the game for the 49ers. Um, Again, they lost by only three points. I, I, yeah, I'm all about accountability, man. I work really hard. I got a new topic coming up called What I Said When Joe Burrow Got Drafted, right? Making fun of myself. I love revisiting my old takes where I'm dead wrong. I think I actually revisit my old takes more than you know, my wrong takes more than my good takes. I, I rarely brag about, hey, remember when I got this right and this right and this right? What's up, mother? Like the only time I've really ever done that was with the Seattle Seahawks going 7-10, and 10, and I dunked on people. I'm like, yeah, I'm so tired of the mean comments. Uh, other than that, I really try not to brag. Um, and I, I love, I love revisiting when I'm wrong. I think nobody else really does that. And I get, people are like, oh, all you do is wrong. No, all you see is the stuff I'm wrong about because that's what I try to talk about. I try to highlight when I'm wrong and own that stuff. Um, so yeah, hey man, I love that Jaquiski Tart came out and had extreme accountability. That's the way to go in my opinion. Devin says, according to Ian Rappaport, the Dolphins offered the Bengals three first-round picks in order to move up in the 2020 draft to take Joe Burrow at number one. That report in a vacuum doesn't interest me. What does interest me is why this report is coming out now. Is it a PR thing to show that they wanted Joe Burrow? Is it coming out now because they no longer care about hurting to his confidence? I'd love to hear your thoughts, or if I'm reading too much into this, as always, I look forward to the next episode of SOS and Zach Shomler talking. Um, a lot of stuff here. Are they saving face, showing that they would have drafted Joe Burrow if they could? Um, are they trying to remember? There's, you know, they're getting sued by their former head coach Brian Flores. Maybe they're trying to cover that up, and it's a it's a deflection. I don't know. Who did it come from? Did it come from the Dolphins, or did it come from Brian Flores saying, "I wanted Joe Burrow, and we couldn't make it work." Um, did it come from the Bengals going, yeah, we got the right guy flexing? I don't think that's true, but maybe – I don't know. Is it made up? I don't know. I don't spend too much time thinking about this kind of stuff because I – it's too many unknowns, but it is an interest – I hear your interest, and I'm trying to comment on it the best I can. But um, if you hadn't wrote, written in about it, I, it's really something I would have never even given time on the show because I don't – like, ah, eh, I don't really – I don't care. I'm like, yeah, I don't 
they didn't trade for Joe Burrow. They they couldn't make it happen. That wasn't going to happen. Like it's like saying it's like I I wanted to win a million dollars. I wanted well you didn't you know. Um, Jonathan writes in. No, Zachary first. Zachary says, hey, Zach, first off, congrats to the Bengals and their fans. Hope you win the Super Bowl. Secondly, as a Chiefs fan, this one hurts. But I'm not, not in the reason most expect. Of course, a loss hurts, but this one hurts mostly because something happened to Patrick Mahomes at halftime, and we lost a game that looked like a surefire win. What do you think got Mahomes off his game? Um... Here's how I'm going to answer this question. Confidence and the mental side, and I don't mean like, oh, the safety's dropping down, that looks like cover three. I mean, no, your, your, your confidence, your, your level of how you feel about yourself, that greatly informs every decision you make. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a moment, end of the first half, where he blew it badly. He didn't know the situation. He thought he had a timeout. Threw the ball short of the end zone. It's embarrassing. It's a it's a big, just a just a, a huge mistake, and that shook him a little bit. It felt like, and some of that swagger, some of that unshakable confidence that we know Joe Burrow has, felt like it was shaken a little bit. Right? It's it's crazy. Like the little things in life that can throw you off. Uh, you know that song. Uh, what's industry, baby? When I'm like walking down the street and there's a palm tree next to me and I see the mountains and that song is playing, I am at an all time high. I told you long ago. Like that, that I feel like, I feel like Matthew McConaughey with sunglasses. I'm like, ah, hell yeah. Confidence is like spiking. But I don't always feel that way, right? And it, I, I, Mahomes had one of those moments where it just felt like his confidence was shaken a little bit. He was second-guessing himself, holding onto the ball too long, trying to be Superman. Something was rattled, and it wasn't – it was his men, It was the mental side of the game. It's like the kind of thing you need to talk to a sports psychologist about. His, his, his confidence, confidence was shaken in the second half, and decisions that he's made all year, finding his check down. Early in that game, huge play where nothing opened, swings it out wide to his check down. For some reason in the second half, he stopped throwing the ball to his checkdowns. He was holding onto the ball way too long, forcing throws into coverage. And that was something he didn't do all year. What happened there? Is Mahomes suddenly bad? Did he choke? No, his confidence got shaken. His, the, the, the mental state that informs his decision-making, the swagger, whatever that is, it got rocked a little bit, and that's how you lose a game. It's crazy how... A little thing like that at the quarterback position, the way you view yourself. Get shaken, you lose, and you don't go to the Super Bowl in a game you probably should have won. That's a, a, that's a side of the quarterback position I think people don't talk about. I think people don't realize, but you have to almost be, you know, I, I, I've been critical of Aaron Rodgers for being arrogant. But you almost have to be. You got to find that line between cocky and confident and get right on that line, but then not past it. Arrogance leads to bad interceptions, holding on the ball too long, or blaming your teammates. Confidence exudes out, and your teammates believe in you. You believe in yourself, and you're like, yeah, I I see one-on-one coverage. I'm taking a shot vertically because I know I got this, and you throw a dime to Jamar Chase for a touchdown, right? There's that fine line, and, and Mahomes was on the wrong side of that fine line and I think was, was shaken a little bit in the second half, clearly, of the AFC championship game against Cincinnati. Jonathan writes in. He says, hey, Zach, I'm a Giants fan, but I've been a, a fan of Matt Stafford for a long time. I think he was criminally underrated on the Lions, and now the Rams were my Super Bowl pick from the preseason because of the difference I thought he would make. With that said, I don't believe he's a Hall of Famer yet. My roommates and I have argued about this topic all season, and now it has ramped up even more. What are your thoughts on Matt Stafford and the Hall of Fame? Do you think he needs to win next Sunday? Does he need to do it for multiple years like the greats always did? Interested in your perspective on this topic. Cheers. Currently, Matthew Stafford is, I think, in the same tier as Carson Palmer and Philip Rivers and like Donovan McNabb. 
He's good, talented. I think of those guys I listed, Philip Rivers is probably the highest regarded, actually. Um, I mean, Carson Palmer's a great example. Carson Palmer, for years, was on a bad Bengals team that couldn't get, he couldn't elevate them. Goes to Arizona, goes to a Super Bowl, loses the Super Bowl, but higher regarded, right? Uh, Donovan McNabb lost the Super Bowl. Philip Rivers never made it to one, but he went like, I think he went 15 and one at one point. They were amazing. Um, he's a guy who's never got it done and never played in big games like this. He needs to winning. A, he's got a huge opportunity two weeks from now on Sunday. Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl. He does stuff that Carson Palmer couldn't do, that Donovan McNabb never did, that Philip Rivers never did. Then you're into a higher town. And you're not Nick Foles or Trent Dilfer who won a Super Bowl one time on a whim. No, you're like a really good quarterback now uh, who finally made it, finally put themselves in a good opportunity. And the NFC is wide open for a couple of years now. Like all the good quarterbacks are in the AFC. Yeah, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. Like, they're all over there. NFC, who's the, the top dog now? Aaron Rodgers looks like he's going to go to Denver. That's an AFC team. Who's to say Matthew Stafford doesn't dominate for, like, four more years in L.A. with the Rams? And, uh, yeah, he wins the Super Bowl here, has a couple more top-tier years, and shows that the Lions were always holding him back. I think he could put together a Hall of Fame career. So we'll see where he is. A couple years from now, but uh, we're not there yet, but he's definitely got a chance to elevate himself into a Hall of Fame career. Uh, oh, I got a lot more. Sean writes in, says, <laughs> Hey, Zach, what's your opinion about the NFC next year? The Packers, the Rams, and Buccaneers seem like they went all in this year, and it seems like it will be time to rebuild four of those teams or major changes. The AFC seems to have a lot of young, great quarterbacks with cores around them, but I don't see many teams like that in the NFC. Is there a team or two in the NFC that seems to be ready to take the NFC title next year? So, again, like I said, all the best quarterbacks are in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Probably Aaron Rodgers, too, going to Denver. Man, how about the AFC West if that happens? The AFC West would be Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin freaking Herbert, that would be unbelievable to watch. I'm watching every NFC West game or AFC West game. I, I said NFC, I meant AFC. I'm watching every AFC West game all next year. It'd be amazing. In the NFC, Tom Brady's gone. Aaron's probably gone. The 49ers are figuring out how good Trey Lance is. The, the LA has got an opportunity here to just dominate in the NFC and maybe go to multiple Super Bowls here with Matthew Stafford. Uh, the Cowboys, if they can ever get a better coach, uh, I mean, the Cowboys still, even with Mike McCarthy, could very well go to a Super Bowl just based on there's no one else going to challenge them in that conference. The dark horse is San Francisco. The 49ers, man, are a really good team. We know that. They're, they're a really good football team. How good can Trey Lance be and how quickly can he get there? If next year Trey Lance is a baller, running around, running RPOs, making big-time throws. I mean, he doesn't need to be amazing. He needs to be physically amazing because you can run a simplified offense and rely on his physical skill set to win, and you probably could. So I think the 49ers have a shot in the NFC, and we'll see if Arizona can get on top too. But L.A. is the favorite for a couple of years now in the NFC, in my opinion. We'll see if Dallas can elevate themselves. We'll see if the 49ers can challenge him, how good, how quickly Troy Lance can get good, and then can Arizona ever get their head out of there? Beep! Because they are just, you know, they make so many mistakes. I'm worried about Kyler Murray's leadership. I need to write that down. I need to do a topic about Kyler Murray's leadership. I am concerned about that. Uh, we'll talk about that probably next episode. Uh, so, yeah. Rams are my favorite in the NFC for years to come. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's either Dalek or Dalek. I'm going to say Dalek because it's like Malik with a D. Oh, there's, a good, there's a good joke in there. Malik with a D. Hey, ladies. Um, <laughs> he says, hey, Zach, well, it happened. For the longest time listening to you and hearing you discuss how you ended your fandom with the Mariners, I finally understand I am, or rather, 
I was a Miami Dolphins fan. However, after the recent statements from Brian Flores, who I loved as our coach, exposing Steven Ross for blatant tampering as well as tanking, and he says, tanking, like all caps, there is no way I can continue to support the team. Am I being rash? Is this a knee-jerk reaction? I would like to hear your thoughts on if a team you supported or was just rooting for got exposed in this manner. As for me, I guess it's fins down. Thank you for your time, and go Ducks. Yes, I'm an Oregon football fan. Knowing your feelings towards them, had to throw it in there at the very end. Ah, it's awesome. Good for you, man. I I feel like I've been too mean to Oregon fans. I apologize to Oregon Ducks fans. That's my formal apology. It's the best you're going to get. Dude, congratulations, man. Welcome to freedom. Uh, You know, I, I was once a Seattle Mariners fan. And they kept trading away good players. And I was like, dude, Adrian Beltre goes to the Texas Rangers and is suddenly amazing. Raul Banez goes to Philadelphia, all-star. You trade Adam Jones for Eric Bedard. What the heck is happening? Why are we making these moves that I don't agree with? That are, Dude, <laughs> Unieski Betancourt, who people don't even remember, went to the Milwaukee Brewers and was better with Milwaukee than Seattle. And I was like, I'm like 11. Like, what the? I am I a fan of this baseball team? And it's actually pretty funny. Years later, <laughs> the guy running the team got in trouble on like a Rotary Club call, confirming everything I always believed. I quit on them like 10 years ago. 10 years later, John Boy Media puts out this video of him totally like exposing himself about how, yeah, he doesn't pay good players, won't short. I'm like, I knew it. I knew they weren't trying to win. Dude, get out of it. Don't be a fan of a team you don't like. If you hate them, own Here's the thing. Root for your favorite players, man. I love Joe Burrow. I love the guy. If Joe Burrow leaves Cincinnati tomorrow, I love Cincinnati as a city. But I would, I'm with, I'm with Joe Burrow all the way. I don't care where he goes. I love the guy. Right? Uh, Josh Allen, easy to root for. He's amazing. Justin Herbert's incredible. The more I learn about Justin Herbert, the more I like the guy. He's an introvert. He hates the media. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. I'm on board. I love Justin Herbert. If Justin Herbert goes to, I don't know, uh, the Giants tomorrow, suddenly I'm rooting for Justin Herbert on the Giants because I don't care where he plays. I care about him as a person. The people I don't like tend to be the billionaire front office a-holes that make bad decisions or ruin teams or whatever, do not let the Miami front office hurt you anymore. You're free. You owe them nothing. Find your favorite players in the NFL and on Sundays root for them. Root for people, not corporations, not organizations. Because at the end of the day, the organization doesn't care about you. They just want your money. And I, don't, I, I realized when I was a Mariners fan, I, like literally I was 11 or 13, I can't remember. I was like, I am no longer giving any more emotional investment to this thing. All they're doing is hurting me. You can still root for Miami, but root for Miami because you like Tua. Or you like, I don't even know. <laughs> you know? Root for people, not teams. That's, that's my policy. And uh, Dalik, Dalek, I don't know how to say your name. I apologize. But you're free, man. You know, and you'll still hurt when they lose. I still, whenever the Mariners have a, another bad story where they lose or have something horrible, I can't remove my emotion completely. I'm still like, freaking, I hate those guys, right? But I don't watch them anymore. I'm not beholden to, like, following how they do because I don't, I don't care anymore. I'm like, ah, I'm free. I'm not worried about that anymore. Welcome to Freedom, Delik. Delik, Dalek, I don't know how to say your name, but I, I really, uh, I hope you fully step away from... Uh, a, a fandom of a team you don't like. I don't care who you're rooting for. I, you like a team, you like a team, but I, I don't get people that just hate the experience and are still a fan. I don't even I don't I don't even begrudge people. If you live in Cleveland and you're a Browns fan for years and you went to every Browns game, I get it. Going to games are fun. Get a hot dog, get a beer, go to the game, you sit in the cold. That, that's fun to me. But dude, if you're living in Seattle, and you're a Browns fan, and you hate Cleveland. You hate watching the games. You hate every move that you're like, why do we draft Johnny Manziel? What the flip? I hate this team. Stop rooting for them. And then maybe they get a player you like someday, and then you root for them. That's my advice. To, uh, long diatribe there. 
Final question today. Jeff Boyardee says, with Tom Brady officially stepping down from football, do you think there are any teams that are set to take over the NFL as a dynasty the way the Patriots did? I thought Kansas City was trending in that direction, but with the Bengals and many other teams stepping up, I feel as if there is more parity around the league than there has been in the last 15 to 20 years, and that's it's, it's anyone's league to take over. Is there a team currently that you feel either now or in the short future could be the next NFL dynasty? And if so, which teams? Is it really a toss-up at this point in time? Keep up the great work and enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, Kansas City, uh, they got a great opportunity, man. They got a good coach. They got a great quarterback. They got Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, this trio of amazing players, and they don't appear to be taking it. And look, man, Patrick Mahomes... I feel like I can't comment on his wife, but as a guy who recently called off an engagement, if Patrick Mahomes' wife is interfering with his career, that's a tough one. What do you do if your brother and your wife are distracting you? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much that's really happening, but I, certainly they're annoying. Um, there will never be another run like the Patriots. There just isn't going to be where you win three and then you know, basically 10 years apart, three Super Bowls and three more Super Bowls. And it's a long stretch of dominance. And in the NFL right now, you got crazy parody. It's wide open. A lot of new names, a lot of new faces. Joey B, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Zach Wilson can play. I, I believe in the guy. Trevor Lords. A lot of great young quarterback. Justin Fields. I mean, you're telling me. It's amazing. Um, and I, I don't think there's going to be. First of all, I don't think there's ever going to be another Patriots dynasty. It's just not going to happen. But also, there isn't really any team right now set up to be a dynasty because there is so much parity. Anyone can beat anyone, and that's how I like it. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited for the future. And. You know, the key to a dynasty isn't having a couple good players, right? We've seen Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes are incredible, but they can't build a dynasty just on a couple good players. It takes a foundational – it takes Bill Belichick, man. Without Bill Belichick, that never happens. Even, even with Tom Brady, there would have been a team with a really good quarterback like Peyton Manning was for years, but not – it takes more than just a couple good players or – you know, a good coach and a good quarterback. It takes it takes the best coach ever, pretty much. And without that, it's never going to happen. Remember, let's be clear about what New England was. It was a unicorn. New England was the greatest coach of all time, stumbling into finding the greatest quarterback of all time. They got together and magic happened. We might find another greatest coach of all time or a greatest quarterback of all time. But the fact that they're going to pair up together, coaching quarterback, that's never going to happen again, right? I, it's just not going to happen. I don't know who the next best quarterback in the NFL is. Probably Mahomes, right? And I don't know who the best coach in the NFL is going to be moving forward whenever Belichick is gone. You know, I don't know. I think I hit my mic. If I did, I apologize. But, man, they're never going to pair up together again what we got with Belichick and Brady. And uh, that that's why it's just never going to happen ever again. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to me talk about sports. Um, I don't know. The Washington team name is going to be announced any moment. I love you. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam! We are donezo. We're done.